Seems like yesterday we used to rock the show. I laced the track, you locked the flow. So far from hanging on the block for dough. Notorious, they got to know that. Life ain't always what it seemed to be. Words can't express what you mean to me. This episode of the DFS MVP podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. You can play on FanDuel all year long, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Whatever sport you like, you can play it daily on FanDuel. Use promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4 for a 100% deposit bonus. Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports' most valuable podcast. This is the last DFS MVP podcast of the 2015-2016 NFL season. A little bit of a bittersweet moment, hence the intro music, which I will get to in a second. But uh, my name is Chris Raybon, and I am 4 for 4 Senior DFS Editor, and I'm joined by my man TJ Hernandez, who I just got to meet For the first time in person, actually, at the FSTA conference in Dallas. So, just saw this guy yesterday. Now we're back on Skype. Uh, What's going on, TJ? What's up, Chris? Yeah, we had a good time uh, in Dallas. Got to put some uh, faces to some Twitter handles. uh, Shake hands with a lot of people in the industry. It was a fun week, and now we'll break down this final slate of the season. Uh, Two games, uh, so we'll probably go through it relatively quickly, but we'll just touch on... Uh, who we think the top players are, and maybe some pivot GPP plays. Uh, probably not too many low-owned guys, but maybe lower-owned uh, that can make you uh, have that unique lineup to win. No Millie Maker, but the, the bigger tournaments that you're probably playing in this week. Definitely. And I hope you guys are playing in tournaments because two-game slates are not ideal for cash games. Mm-mm. But before we get into the slate, the song that played us in was I'll Be Missing You, that's Puff Daddy, Faith Evans, 112, off the 1997 album, No Way Out, and it's the last podcast, so we just uh, thought it would be appropriate. Yeah, it's fitting. We'll be missing you guys. Hopefully, you'll be missing us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter all season just for a bunch of uh, non-football talk, I guess, off-season stuff from now. Until the draft, we can just have fun and talk about uh, food takes or something. Yeah, definitely. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll get all types of takes in there on Twitter. So, yeah, make sure to follow us. We'll give you the handles later on in the show. But let's get into the two-game slate. We will start out with the Patriots at the Denver Broncos. That game has the Patriots favored by three, the over-under on the game is 44, so Patriots uh, projected to score about 23.5 points, and the Broncos about 20.5. Looks like the line actually bumped up about a half a point, so mm-hmm. add about 0.25 to what I just said. And uh, TJ, I guess I'll start with the passing game on New England side. Who are you looking at there? What's your take on what's going to go down? Yeah, I mean, just ignoring game type, just from a a top value overall, uh, not even just at quarterback, but across all positions, 
I think you probably have to consider uh, Tom Brady uh, as the top value play uh, across uh, both sites. Really, he's $8,100 on FanDuel, uh, $7,400 on DraftKings. Uh, and we've seen uh, lately, especially with Edelman back, that uh, Patriots are going to be very, very pass-heavy. Um, they haven't been able to succeed in the run, especially with Steven Jackson in there as their starter. Um, they've been throwing the ball very consistently. That short passing game that we we always expect from the Patriots, uh, it's been even more so, especially last week with Julian Edelman back. And the probably the biggest injury news of the week, uh, which favors the Patriots short pass game, is the uh, injury to Denver slot cornerback Chris Harris. Uh, I mean, it looks like he's going to play, um, but the, the quote from some of the blurbs is he's basically going to be playing with one arm. Uh, he has a sh- shoulder injury. Um, I talked about last week that I thought a very interesting way to uh, roster this Patriots passing game uniquely would be to roster both Edelman uh, and Amendola. Um, it, it didn't work out great. Amendola had a, a pretty average game. Uh, we saw Edelman get 10 for 100, get that bonus on DraftKings, but I think uh, again, um, with the good outside corners that uh, th- that the Broncos have, um, the way I think the Patriots will attack this game uh, with um, with not much of a running game, like I mentioned, um, especially since we saw them do something similar in Week 12 against the Broncos, where they passed 42 times, ran just 16 times. Um, I think that could be another unique uh, play to roster both Amendola uh, and Edelman. Um, I'll let you talk about Gronk a little bit. Definitely. And I just want to go back to that Chris Harris for the listeners that aren't familiar. Uh, Chris Harris, he is their slot corner, but he is much better than a slot corner. He's actually an all-pro corner. He made the Pro Bowl last season, and he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So that is really a big loss. Harris would likely, if he was at full strength, shadow Edelman, whether Edelman played in the slot or outside, um, Harris and Edelman both tend to play inside and outside. So if he is not healthy, that changes things considerably uh, for New England. And then Rob Gronkowski, it's a little more difficult to play him on FanDuel, but he has always got to be in play. I think Greg Olson is probably a better value just because he's a little cheaper and it's such a limited slate. But the Denver Broncos... If you look at four for fours, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, during the regular season, the Broncos were actually 23rd against tight ends, and that's compared to ninth against quarterbacks, fifth against running backs, and fourth against receivers. So the tight end position is a position where uh, Denver can be attacked. They are vulnerable. Gronkowski uh, performed really well in the team's last meeting in week 12 before leaving with an injury. So Gronkowski has to be in play. There's really nothing more to say about that. Uh, His numbers in that first Denver game were 10 targets, six catches, 88 yards and a touchdown. And then of course he got hit low by safety Darian Stewart and missed the final 10 snaps of the game. So that's the deal with Gronkowski. So in the running game, an option could be James White. Uh, he did play 72% of the snaps last week, only got three touches. However, if you've been a listener, maybe follow us on Twitter. You do know that 
the last six games, absent of other information, tends to be the most predictive of a player's stats in the next game. And over his last six games, White is averaging five catches for 59 yards and .5 touchdowns. So that is something to think about there. Last time New England played Denver, the Patriots frequently attempted to put their running backs in positions where they would be matched up on linebackers and Denver's man coverage scheme. Brandon Bolden actually did most of the damage that day with four catches for 83 yards, but he's since fallen out of favor, and White has taken over as that main threat out of the backfield. So White is a guy who you can consider, especially if you don't want to pay up at running back, which was actually the way that the Millionaire Maker was won last week. Uh, Jonathan Stewart nor David Johnson was in the winning Millionaire Maker lineup. And uh, I was actually trolling uh, four for four guys, TJ, Josh Moore, John Paulson, about Steven Jackson uh, (laughs) at our little steak dinner uh, on Tuesday night in FSTA. But what's interesting about Jackson is, you know, this is a two-game slate. I think you have to consider everybody. And Jackson's averaging 10.8 touches per game over the last three games. That's actually more than James White. And he's been terrible. It's 2.4 yards per carry. However, the one thing he can do is be useful around the goal line. He's 230 pounds. He might weigh more now. I'm not sure. But uh, during the regular season, only three teams actually allowed a higher touchdown rate on carries inside the five-yard line than the Broncos. So, you know, it's an option. You know, maybe get a couple cheap touchdowns. Mike Tolbert-esque situation there. But uh, let's move on to the Denver side of the ball. I'll let you decide, TJ. Do you want to talk about their passing game or their running game first? I mean, we don't have uh, much to talk about in their passing game just because with Peyton Manning under center, they haven't been uh, they, they haven't been particularly uh, efficient or uh, valuable in, in fantasy. Um, we saw it last week. Peyton was pretty much just a game manager. Um, they really leaned on a combination of C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman. Uh, I think they had 30 touches between the two. Uh, pretty much split down the middle, but uh, C.J. Anderson's clearly been the more effective back. Uh, we saw it last week. Um, we saw it in their first game against the Patriots. Uh, he's just been the better running back, and I think it would benefit um, benefit the Broncos to get away from that 50-50 split and, and really give C.J. Anderson a chance to take control of this game if if they're going to keep this game close, it's most likely going to be uh, grinding out the clock and keeping the ball out of the Patriots' hands, um, especially with uh, their somewhat depleted secondary, the, the Broncos, that is. Um, one thing worth noting is that in their first matchup, uh, New England did have a couple injuries uh, amongst their linebackers, and those guys are back this week. So um, it might not be uh, as easy. It might be a little more tough sledding going against the Patriots this week and attacking them on the ground. Um, but if, uh, if I am going after anyone on this, uh, Denver offense, I think CJ Anderson is the main guy that I want. And if I'm looking at their backfield, he's definitely the guy over Ronnie Hillman that, that I'll be, uh, rostering. Um, you want to talk about Peyton Manning and if, and how he can be effective this week? Sure. Well, I think what's going to have to happen with Peyton Manning is, it's probably going to have to be a game flow situation where we talked about New England might have 
a sizable advantage in their passing game over Denver's, even though Denver does have a great pass rush, which could complicate things. New England's offensive line has struggled at times this season, so if Denver can get home, especially with a four-man rush, that could change things and keep it a low-scoring game. But if New England is able to execute their quick passing game and have success and put up some points on Denver... Denver's going to have no choice but to throw the ball. It's a win-or-go-home game. So in that case, I think Manning could potentially rack up some game-full-based stats. I know we usually don't look for quarterbacks with volume. We're usually looking for efficiency, but in this four-game slate, that's really the only way I see Manning having a big game. Some things to point out in the team's last matchup, Emmanuel Sanders had nine targets, and he... Caught six for 113 yards. Uh, this was, of course, with Brock Osweiler under center. And Demarius Thomas had 13 targets, but only caught one for 36 yards. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Demarius was targeted, but he dropped a couple balls, was covered really well by the Patriots. So it could be difficult. Um, one thing to note, Peyton Manning has favored Demarius in terms of targets. Uh, this season, Demarius averaging about two more catches per game with Manning than with Osweiler. So he, Thomas did get opportunities in their last meeting. I don't think too many people will be on him just because I think the Cardinals receivers are going to be more popular and the tight ends uh, on the Panthers and uh, and Gronk, Olsen and Gronk, of course. So Demarius, I don't think a lot of people will pay for Demarius in that similar salary range. But 13 targets is worth noting. And then, of course, there's Owen Daniels. You know, he's an interesting one, I think, because Gronkowski and Olsen are clearly the two best tight ends. And they have good matchups, but they cost a lot. So, if again, in these short slates, we're looking for things like cheap touchdowns that could swing your DFS lineup. And if... Um, if Owen Daniels does happen to, to get into the end zone, he's at a really low salary on both sites where mm-hmm. it could actually be useful. During the regular season, he was actually second on the team in red zone targets with 11, and he was tied for the team lead in red zone touchdowns with three. So he's a situation where maybe you put him in as a, a cheap flex punt play on DraftKings or you have some lineups where you're trying to be contrarian and use a guy like uh, more expensive guys uh, at wide receiver or at quarterback and you, you fade Gronk on Fandle or you fade Olsen. So interesting. Um, don't really have too much confidence in him, but it's just something worth noting. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Owen Daniels. If you look at our um, ceiling projections, uh, Owen Daniels is actually the top value um, ceiling projection of the week on DraftKings. He's only $2,300, and uh, we have his ceiling at 13 points. Now, while that's not uh, a super high ceiling, um, you're looking at a value of like over 5.5x. He can go three for 40 in a touchdown. That's a very reasonable line. Um, you you can't count on it, but in a tournament, if you can get that, that 5X at a very cheap price, obviously it opens up uh, a, a lot of other spots in a spot where, I mean, there there aren't very many running backs. We'll get into it, but um, outside of you know, Jonathan Stewart and, and David Johnson at running back, uh, it's there aren't really too many price-saving options. Obviously, there's only four quarterbacks. Uh, there are only a, a handful of very reliable receivers, so Owen Daniels isn't a horrible play. Right. I mean, honestly, this week, it's almost nobody's a horrible play. It's really yeah. it's tough. These two game slates are tough. Right. But let's move on to the Cardinals 
at the Carolina Panthers. That game's over-under is 47.5, and the Panthers are favored by three. So the Panthers have the highest team total on the slate. It's about 25.5 or a little under that, depending on which sportsbook you look at. So, TJ, I'll start with you. Uh, talk about Cam Newton, uh, Greg Olson, and, and the rest of this passing game. Yeah, we look at, again, referencing our value reports again, uh, Cam Newton is the highest uh, ceiling value both on FanDuel and DraftKings, $8,500 on FanDuel, um, $7,200 on DraftKings. Um, Outside of uh, Peyton Manning, I don't think you necessarily need to uh, worry about ownership percentage too much with these quarterbacks. I think we'll probably see Palmer, Brady, and Newton uh, clump fairly close together in ownership percentage, and uh, you're you're just not going to get a low owned quarterback in a spot like this. Um, but Cam has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks, um, you know, over the last six games, over the last ten games. Uh, he is he's 25 to two touchdown interception radio ratio over his last ten games. Um, we've actually one one of his weaknesses has been um, his completion percentage. He's always been kind of that sub 60 percent completion percentage, but over the last six weeks, uh, he's near 65 percent. Uh, we we kind of expect him to be able to attack. On the on the uh, ground through the air, uh, like I said, he's been uh, an extremely efficient uh, touchdown scorer through the air, and he he just is glaringly the uh, probably the top uh, top ceiling play. Um, we're just looking for uh, that value in the, in these tournaments, uh, looking for a guy that can can go off. And while he doesn't have the the popular receivers, I think that's something that um, that can kind of help us a little bit just because um, people aren't excited about Ted Ginn or, or Jericho Cotri. But, um, yeah, speaking of Jericho Cotri, uh, he actually comes in as our top ceiling value of the week on DraftKings. Um, he's only $2,400. But, again, uh, like Owen Daniels, he's a guy that if he, if he goes for, you know, three, three or four catches, 40, 50 yards, and, and a touchdown, then he's get, hitting a 5X value for you, which is uh, very valuable. Um, over his last four games, Cotri's averaging three receptions, 36 yards, and uh, 0.25 touchdowns. So that, that catch and yards total is kind of right on par with what we need for him to hit that ceiling value if he does hit it, uh, score a touchdown. So, um, you know, Cam's a guy that obviously I like again on a short slate, but I think, uh, I think he's probably my favorite play of the week um, in tournaments. Definitely. That's a great, that's a great point. And for the listeners out there that may be somewhat uncomfortable with playing a guy like Jericho Cotri, you it is going to be mentally uncomfortable, psychologically, I should say. But you have to think about it, as TJ mentioned, not as you're playing this old, washed-up receiver that's not very good. Although Cotri has, been, has had a pretty solid NFL career. He's past his prime now. But you have to think about it as... I'm getting a cheap receiver that Cam Newton is throwing to. And that's really what we're looking for. You know, Cam Newton, as TJ mentioned, has been playing MVP caliber football for a while now. So, you know, Cotchery, uh, Philly Brown is another guy where it, it's not, it's likely that Ted Ginn does get shadowed by Patrick Peterson because. Peterson did shadow James Jones last week after Randall Cobb went out, but I think he was shadowing him the whole game anyway. He would have probably been on him. So 
it's a situation where if Ginn is shadowed and Ginn hasn't really done anything over these last couple of games anyway, there's going to be other receivers that have to step up. And of course, Greg Olson has a good matchup. Actually, the best matchup on the slate, if you look at 4-for-4 four four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, the Cardinals are 31st against tight ends. So, really great matchup for Olsen, but, you know, Philly Brown, Kachery, even Funches, you know, mm-hmm. potentially, any of those guys, it's not really about them. It's about the fact that they are cheap and Cam Newton's throwing him the football. One thing I thought that was interesting, uh, this is per pro football focus, Arizona's other two corners besides Patrick Peterson are Justin Bethel, former special teamer who's now starting on the outside, and Gerard Powers who is playing slot corner for the injured Tyron Matthew. Both of those corners have the are targeted the most and giving up the most fantasy points per route run on the slate of any starting corners. So that's another positive for Carolina's complementary receivers. Uh, And in terms of the running game, you know, I think Jonathan Stewart has to be in play just based on the way Carolina's offensive line is playing and the fact that Stewart has handled at least 20 touches in nine consecutive games if you remove the one game he had to leave early due to injury. So he has been getting a very consistent workload. Carolina really dominated up front against a very good Seattle front last week at home. So if Carolina is able to come out with that same energy this week, again in their home building, I think Jonathan Stewart will definitely have a chance to put up a, a great game like he did last week. Uh, let's talk about what's going on on the Cardinals side of the ball, particularly with their passing game. And, you know, there's been a lot of misinformation about Josh Norman versus Larry Fitzgerald, which is obviously almost sure not to happen as a matchup. So, TJ, talk about, talk about that Arizona passing game against the Panthers defense. Yeah, I mean, it obviously starts with Carson Palmer, who's uh, been just as good as the other quarterbacks in the slate. And another reason why I think these quarterbacks are going to be bunched up uh, really closely together in terms of uh, ownership percentage. Um, Carolina's actually been allowing, as you mentioned this week, 310 passing yards and two pass touchdowns per game over the last four games. So uh, they're a team that um, they're vulnerable vulnerable versus the pass, and we know that uh, this this offense is a is a team that can uh, attack through the air, and they're going to take their downfield shots. And uh, when you think about downfield shots with this team, uh, you naturally think of John Brown. And uh, there's been some mention that. Uh, Brown could be shadowed by Josh Norman, um, but Brown moves moves around a lot. Um, he doesn't necessarily line up on one side of the ball. He gets some slot work. Uh, if the Cardinals think that uh, this is a spot where they want to attack deep, uh, we've seen Carolina. If if you're going to beat Josh Norman, it's going to be deep. He's he's going to really jam you at the line, and he covers very well. But uh, Josh Norman's um, but uh, Brown is a burner, and um, if he can get over the top of that. Uh, defense, then uh, they might want to move him around a little bit just to uh, try to exploit some matchups. Um, but we've seen uh, 
We've seen him be successful passing the fits uh, last week, obviously. So he's going to be the most likely the the high owned guy. And uh, if people think that that uh, Josh Norman's going to stay out of the slot, then then the natural inclination is to go with Fitzgerald. Um, but I really like um, John Brown this week at fifty two hundred dollars on DraftKings. Uh, he's he's a guy that I think is going to be a, a tournament winner for a lot of people this week. Great point on Brown. He actually has 75 receiving yards and or a touchdown in 11 of his last 13 games. So a lot of hype about Fitzgerald. Michael Floyd, of course, went on a tear down the stretch and, of course, scored the two touchdowns last week. But Brown has been very consistent as well. And it's really just because, as you mentioned, Carson Palmer has had a brilliant season. If Cam Newton wasn't playing as well as he had, I think Palmer actually might be the most valuable player of the Mm -hmm. National Football League this season. So... Brown, definitely in play. Fitzgerald. Uh, Michael Floyd, probably my least favorite option of the three just because, especially on FanDuel, just because you can pay up about 500 more and get Fitz or you can save 1000 and go with John Brown. Now, yeah. again, on, on DraftKings, it, it, it's also it's Brown is, and Floyd are essentially the same price. I think Floyd is $100 more at 5300 So... Floyd is kind of the odd man out. Uh, he can't be discounted. He's also been playing very well of weight. And he's a guy that, again, because Brown moves around, that means Floyd moves around too. So I don't think Floyd will be caught in Norman's coverage uh, all game either. And Norman actually has been human over these last few games. And Carol- as I mentioned before, I think in an earlier podcast, Carolina does play a lot of zone coverage too. So it's not just uh, given that Josh Norman is going to shadow anybody. He might just stick to his side. They'll play a lot of cover three, which means he'll cover uh, receivers deep down the sideline. So he would be matched up on Floyd if it was on his side. But as we've seen, 310 passing yards per game allowed by the Panthers over their last four games and Carson Palmer fourth in the NFL in passing yardage. So this could be a game where a lot of yardage, uh, there could be a lot of yardage to go around and uh, you have to consider all of these guys in terms of the running game. David Johnson, he's the projected highest scoring running back of the slate. Of course, he's handled 21 touches last week, averaging 21.3 touches, 122.7 yards, and .8 touchdowns in six games since taking over the starting job for the Cardinals. And he has struggled a bit on the ground over the last couple of games, 2.3 yards a carry on 26 totes. Well, somewhat concerning, but the thing with Johnson is he is very active in the passing game. He's got over four receptions per game over his last five games, and he caught six balls last week. So that keeps him squarely in play, especially on DraftKings. But one thing I actually do want to talk about, which I found was interesting, uh, there was a Millie Maker last week. It was a $100 entry fee, so I'm not sure if as many people that usually play it played it. But the winning lineup was actually Brady, C.J. Anderson, Fitz Toussaint, Martavis, Edelman, Curse, Gronk, Olsen at the flex, and the Panthers D. And if you'll mm-hmm. notice, uh, essentially the winner did not pay up for either, uh, for any running back. They used CJ Anderson and Fitz Toussaint. And that might be a strategy that works again this week in tournaments. I don't think people will really feel comfortable fading both Stewart and Johnson just because there's no clear fourth running back I think CJ Anderson is probably the clear-cut third best running back that people will want to roster but there's no real clear fourth guy I think James White just based on 
his lack of touch volume is probably a little overpriced on both sites. And then, of course, Steven Jackson has been doing absolutely nothing. And Ronnie Hillman's kind of splitting work with C.J. Anderson. But Hillman hasn't been getting the goal line carries. Uh, C.J. Anderson's been uh, out-touching him around the goal line uh, 4-1 to throughout the last three games. And Anderson has a touchdown in three consecutive games. So there will be a lot of question marks to running back. But if you have the stones, I think... That could be an interesting option. Again, trying to get Gronk and Olsen maybe in the same lineup or pay up for a guy like Demarius who might not be too highly owned or even a guy like Sanders who had some success uh, in the previous game against the Patriots. So that, I think that about does it for for the slate, right? Does it for the slate, does it for the season. Yeah, oh, quick, I guess we didn't talk about any defenses. Who Who would you say is your top defensive value for this week i mean i think it's hard not to favor the patriots uh going against a uh old ineffective peyton manning um like i mentioned they got their linebacker core healthy so the broncos might have trouble running against them uh i do believe that denver has the lowest implied total of the week uh so all indicators point to new england being the top defense to target this week so there you guys have it. That wraps it up for inaugural season of DFS MVP. We want to thank you guys for listening, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, rating all year long. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next year bringing more heat. So thank you again. want to thank all the people uh, in the industry as well for, for really uh, supporting us and and, and sharing our work and, and listening and tuning in every week. Um, the support has really been overwhelming for, for that. So we want to thank you guys. And I do want to give a big shout out to everybody at 4 for 4 uh, this year that's made things possible. Josh Moore, John Paulson, all of the DFS writers, all the people behind the scenes. Um, it's been a really great season. And uh, you guys make it all possible. So thank you to you guys. And... Um, yeah, that about does it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at C-H-R-I-S-R-A-Y-B-O-N. You can find TJ on Twitter at T-J-H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. Any parting words, TJ? Uh, I think the only fitting parting words are let's get this shmoney. Let's get this motherfucking shmoney. It's kind of hard with you not around in heaven smiling down watching us while we pray for you every day we pray for you till the day we meet again in my heart is where i keep you friend memories give me the strength i need to proceed strength i need to believe my thoughts big i just can't define wish i could turn back the hands of time us in the six shop for new clothes and kicks you and me taking flicks making hits stages they receive you on still can't believe you're gonna give anything to hear half your breath I know you're still living your life after death.